He goes, if you don't want to be hungry, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to work for it. If you want that nice bike, you don't steal it. You're going to have to work for it. You want those new sneakers, you're going to have to work for it. Anything you want in your life, you're going to have to work for it. You can't steal your way through life. He says, that road is going to lead you to jail. He says, that I will guarantee you. Now, I can't remember all of you know that that's going to sit with me, but I do remember that. Will and Jim here with another beautiful day in our country. And today what we're going to cover is really what you can expect from us here at the Wealthy American Podcast. We have a strong belief in America and what this great country has to offer for all of us. And if you believe that the American dream is possible for you, if you want to watch and listen and be inspired by stories and learn the kind of principles that you know a lot of people throughout our country have used to be able to create wealth and hear the stories of how they've been able to do that, and a little bit of Jim and I's story as well, that puts you in the best possible position to kind of learn this stuff and learn the possibility of what's you know, real for you to be able to create generational wealth, then you found your home. Because we have a genuine movement to empower more Americans with kind of the knowledge, the inspiration, to be able to take action to you know, go out there, live the American dream, earn more money, keep more money, and ultimately become a wealth creator where that money is working for them. And so make sure you watch all the way to the end of the day to hear Jim and I's story about how we have actually lived this ourselves. And that's why we know you can too. And so Jim kind of, you know, I guess like what they should expect from us here at the Wealthy American Podcast is that strong belief in the United States of America. I spent 10 years in the special operations community. We both grew up kind of share our stories in a bit here, both grew up, you know, not very wealthy, coming from poverty. And we know that America is more prosperous with more wealth in it, with people that are making money, keeping more money, and ultimately has that money working in their favor, just like the richest families in America have. It's so important for Americans, right? Jim, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's why we're here, right? When it comes to finance, you know, everybody knows particularly in the financial world, that someone else's money is leverage. In the same sense that someone else's financial knowledge or knowledge of any kind is also leverage, right? There's a lot that we can gain. I mean, you can see all the books behind me. If somebody can write their entire life, 30 or 40 years in a book, and you can read it in two or three hours, that leverage that's created there is phenomenal. And so leverage can lead to wealth. Leverage can also lead to freedom. And this great country and freedom is what the Wealthy American Podcast is all about. Financial education is really truly, in our minds, it's the beginning of wealth. Jim Rome said it best, formal education will make you a living, self-education will make you a fortune. So let's not let our learning lead to knowledge, let's let our learning lead to action. And so it's our objective in this podcast to give you actionable insights, tangible things that you can implement on each show that you invest your time and energy to listen into. Building wealth should be aligned with becoming a better person and a more valuable person in this country. And we're excited to, to be here with you and bring you guys uh, the Wealthy American Podcast. Yeah, and I think one of the coolest things, and, and we'll share our stories here, but like you and I have talked about this before, the difference between you know just surviving, doing okay, and thriving. And what that looks like. And I think the coolest thing is, is like when you start to move from surviving into thriving, at least for me and my experience, like I had more confidence and stability in my life. So, you know, when you're 
I kind of came out of that survival mode, which I was in for a long time. Grew up really poor, didn't make a whole lot of money in the military, right? But when you get out of that survival mode, you make better decisions in your life for you, at least I did. I made better decisions in my life for my family, my broader community. I became an asset to everyone else around me because of the stability I had in my life because I didn't have worry about money. And I think most of us could agree that more citizens of America having more wealth is a good thing. It creates a stronger economy. When you have more Americans with more wealth who are out of survival mode and who are in that thriving mode where they aren't afraid to spend some of that money living an incredible life, that infuses our country's economy, brings more dollars to their local communities, and that helps everybody. Jim, your thoughts? Yeah, I, there's nothing more to add there. The more you know, financial stress is a, is a big drag on relationships. It's a big drag on our country. It's a big drag you know, on, uh, on the world. And we just firmly believe that um, the more resources, the more education that you have, the more money and you know more wealth that you have in all areas you know of your life just the better off that you are and so we're in this you know together right and so one of the things that's uh, really cool is you know will and i we're fathers right we're husbands and uh, we're leaders seeking to improve our lives and wealth every day just like you yeah yeah and and what's so cool about this for everybody like as an individual once you get empowered with that you know what, what you know we kind of call the wealth knowledge gap which is like early on, you just don't know what you don't know, right? Maybe you were fortunate enough to have parents that taught you all the principles of creating money. But for me, it wasn't that, right? For you, I know it wasn't that. It was a lot of like, how do you kind of like make money, but not a whole lot of how to keep money and certainly not how to get that money working for you, right? Which is really the key to long-term generational wealth. And what's so interesting about that is like, I think, and probably for you out there listening right now, you probably didn't get that experience and knowledge growing up, right? I remember, you know, early on, it's probably dating us a little bit, Jim, but remember the classes you had maybe in middle school, maybe in high school that were showing you how to balance a checkbook and all that stuff. I, that, I'm sure that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, paper currency barely does, right? Uh, let alone checks. But when you look at that stuff, it's like that was the knowledge that got explained. Maybe a little bit of a budget, and that was it. And so fundamentally, when you look at that, at least for me, it created like a kind of a scarcity mindset of like, oh, there's only so much of this stuff. I shouldn't spend it. I should save everything. My dad was a big saver, so I became a big saver. And it's just not really what our country was founded on. Our country was founded on the idea that you know, really any citizen can apply a bit of work and intelligence to become successful. And yeah, some people start off better than others. You know, maybe they had some parents that worked really hard, you know, like we have, and we've passed along to our kids. And because of that, they started a, a bit further ahead than somebody who grew up with nothing. But everybody has a shot at success. And what's so cool is, man, I, I spent 10 years living in all sorts of countries uh, outside the U.S. And it's just not true of most countries out there. So it's just, it's a really special thing that we have here. And Jim, I think what might be valuable, obviously we've known each other for a while and are, are really close friends, but let's maybe share with, with our listener here, kind of your background and maybe my background and we'll get into it, but like, where'd you start? What'd you kind of go through and where are you at now? Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, uh, 
wealth creation, uh, making money, saving money, you know, what to do with it wasn't a common thing that was around uh, my kitchen table, you know, growing up. And so I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up rich. Um, and I grew up with really not a whole lot. Uh, and truthfully, well, I've been working since I was 14 years old. So working hard is just what I do. It's just what I know how to do. Um, I've learned how hard it is to earn money, to save money, to invest money. All of it takes effort, all of it takes consistency, and all of it takes discipline. And it's just not something that's commonly talked about in the, in the household anymore. And so you talked about that gap. I think that gap, you know, um, is just getting wider and wider and wider, you know, for, for a lot of people. But, you know, we all know this, but it's worth saying again, there are two major pains in life. One is the pain of discipline, and the other one is the pain of regret. Regret weighs tons, discipline weighs ounces. And no one wants more regrets in their life. And Will and I believe that we're put here on this earth to do something significant with our lives. We believe we're given the gift of freedom and freedom from so many things. And being wealthy is one way to enjoy more freedom. So my story, you know, I've been hungry, I've been poor, I've been broke, um, but I've also been a millionaire since I was 30. And when I grew up, I grew up a single um, hardworking mom, no, no father around. Um, but you know, well, she did the best that she could and she struggled at times. She wanted to provide the best life that she possibly could. But, you know, being a single mom, you know, in the, uh, in the seventies, you know, she's one of seven, which was, was really tough. She made a lot of sacrifices and busted her butt to do so. But I can remember this one time, this was like a defining moment in my life. And I was a young boy, about 10 years old. And I can remember my mom going through a, a real tough time at, at that time. And as a result, we were running real low on food, not completely out, but we were running almost out. And I can remember my brother and I sitting around um, one Sunday you know, afternoon, and uh, we're hungry. And we had this bright idea to uh, walk down. There was, this little, there was a grocery store about a, about a half a mile away from our place. And um, we had this bright idea to walk down to the local Albertsons and, uh, and get some food. So the problem with that idea was is we didn't have any money. And so our big bright idea was, hey, because we're hungry and whatever, we're gonna go, we're gonna go find some food and we're gonna you know, eat it. And that's just kind of the way it was. And so we did that, we walked down the path, we went to the grocery store, we walked around all the aisles. And as you know, there's lots of people on the perimeter of the store. And then the interior you know, of the, of the, the store, there tends to be less and less people. Well, we wanted to try and find you know, an aisle where we could accomplish our mission. And um, we did, we found that aisle and it was the condiment aisle. So what can you find in the condiment aisle where there's not a whole lot of people where you're gonna be able to get something you know, to eat? And so for us, we found peanut butter and I love me some extra crunchy peanut butter. So we stuffed that jar, I stuffed that jar of peanut butter you know, down in uh, my pants and he and I, you know, I grabbed his hand and we boogied out the store. We ran as fast as we possibly could. We didn't get caught, but we ran ac across the parking lot, found the nearest curb and we sat down and we tore into it with nothing but just two fingers and that we started eating that peanut butter. We were hungry, right? And we could hear a, a man yelling across the, uh, the parking lot. And he came running across there and he was just kind of, arms was flailing and he was just kind of screaming. He wasn't obviously not very happy with us, but we could tell he was in a uniform. So um, it was the store manager and it turns out his name was Bill. And uh, Bill came over to us and he said, listen, I saw what you guys did. He, he kind of had this like stern, you know, mean kind of, you know, voice pointing his finger and everything. He said, I should turn you in but I won't this time. He could tell we were hungry and we were poor 
And he said, if you promise not to steal from my store again from this day going forward, this one is going to be okay. And we looked at him. We agreed. Okay. He could, he, again, he could tell. We had peanut butter all over our faces and everything. And so it kind of broke the ice there. But I just remember this. Well, I mean, he sat down with us and um, kind of had his um, forearms on his, on his knees. And he just kind of was trying to get with us a little bit. And he sits down and... and he said something to us. He said a lot of things. I don't remember all of it, but he said some things that I, I carry with me you know, to this day. And he sat down and he looked us in the eye and he said, hey, and I think this, what I'm about to share with you, did change the trajectory um, of my life. And it still helps me you know, to this day. But he said, boys, life, life is hard. Life is hard for all of us. No matter how old you are, if you're an adult or if you're young like you guys, life is hard. Uh, and life is serious. He said, I don't know what's going on at home with you two. He says, but I'm going to leave you with this. He said, look, guys, no one is going to come save you from a hard life. No one's going to come rescue you from a hard life. You guys are going to have to fight for the life that you want. And I hope that you remember this. He goes, if you don't want to be hungry, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to work for it. If you want that nice bike, you don't steal it. You're going to have to work for it. You want those new sneakers, you're going to have to work for it. Anything you want in your life, you're going to have to work for it. You can't steal your way through life. He says, that road is going to lead you to jail. He says, that I will guarantee you. Now, I can't remember all of you know, that that's going to sit with me, but I do remember that. And I didn't fully really anchor that in until 2008 came around. So quite a while you know, in my life. Call me, call me a slow learner. But 2008 was a tough year, and that was the year I put my little brother who was sitting next to me in a body bag. You know, we remember 2008, uh, stock market fell by 38%, home prices plummeted, lowest levels in history, the credit market was froze. I mean, it was a tough year. But that year, my brother forgot what Bill had said, and he gave up on fighting for what did he want for his life, and his life's no longer. And for me, 2008 was a super challenging year, too. I had almost lost everything, houses, cars, money, confidence. Um, and I remember in January sitting down one day and it hit me like a ton of bricks. This voice was just going, 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 and it was Bill. And he said, you got to get up and fight. You got to get up and fight for what it is that you want. Life is hard. You're not a victim. It's just, you got to be a fighter. Life is hard. And so I knew at that moment I was going to have to get up and I was going to have to go, you know, do what I do, go to work, go fight. And so from that day forward, well, I went on a journey to learn and self-study. And we can get into that. I'm sure in many, many different episodes of reading books but I really wanted to learn how to make money, how to save money, and how to never lose money again. 2008 was a bloodbath for me, and I lost a lot of money. I lost probably a decade of my net worth of saving you know, money in an instant. And so, so I wanted to build a life of freedom. Yeah. That piece, right, deciding to fight, besides having a great store manager who didn't turn you in and knew you were hungry and let you eat there and gave you a great piece of life advice, a lot of people – and, and this is probably true for you listening right now, right? I think all of us are guilty of this to some extent. We hear great advice. Sometimes we apply it. Sometimes we take a while to apply it. Sometimes we never apply it. Sometimes we apply it immediately. What do you feel like was the difference for you that whether it was internal or external that allowed you to take a really hard circumstance and turn that around and have the success that you've had after that? I think my back was against the wall at that moment. And fighting was the only way out. And it probably, there's probably a better word than fight. But for me, that's all I could, I could have thought about at that time. Because it was like getting up and dealing with just really, really, really tough things that I had to, I, that I had to overcome. And so fighting was just, you know, 
just something that uh, really resonated with me at that time. And I knew no one was going to really come save me from what was going on in my life at the time except me. So I knew I was going to have to make some sacrifices. I knew that I was going to have to figure out you know, ways to make more money. I knew that I was going to have to figure out ways to um, get the money back that I had lost, right, to save more money and to never lose it. Um, making money, saving money, and what to do with it was not something that I grew up with at the kitchen table. My family didn't sit around and say, hey, here's how you budget and you're going to go to work and you're going to do taxes. I was sort of all on my own my entire life. So I had to figure it out the hard way and making money and losing money, making money and losing money. And that's why, Will, my mission is so personal for me. And so um, I, I know this is all about you know our podcast for others, but I, I believe purely that I'm on a mission to inspire others to achieve financial freedom so they can learn how to create a private family reserve that will last for generations. And I want everybody to get wealthy and to have money not be the thing that drives divorce and fear and poverty and everything else uh, in life and the pains of what I went through in 2008. I just don't want people to, to, to have to go through that. And knowing what I know now, Will, can be completely uh, avoided. So I just want to give as much of that as I, away as I possibly can. Yeah, nice, man. Yeah, and I had kind of a, you know, same, same, different, right? Which is a phrase not used a ton here, but one that I learned overseas. And you you start to recognize like people go through similar things in life, right? Your unique circumstance is yours. But I think we all go through things that are hard in life. We all go through things that require us to decide to fight or doesn't feel good, right? And like what's the definition of a fight, right? A fight isn't, you know, <laughs> you're like just wrestling somebody that you can just dominate, right? A fight is like, no, this is a struggle. I'm up against it. I don't know the outcome, but I'm going to keep going. For me, forward it was a I'm decision, keep the right? Best I can. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love what you said there. And for me, well, that fight was just a decision. It was a decision to get up and go, and to change, you know, uh, my mindset, realizing that I could sit there and do nothing, or I could just get up, take action, and go fight and, and get after it. But you're right; it means so many, so many different things. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, somewhat similar, somewhat different, right? So grew up outside of Detroit, grew up very poor outside of Detroit. My biological father, uh, as soon as I was born, left completely out of the picture. Three years later, um, you know, my dad, I say my dad, because he raised me. He's an incredible man, came in, you know, him and my mom got married. Uh, and there was no question. I am and forever will be his son. Like, that's just the way it is. And so, kind of came into this and as credible man as my dad is, you know, he's a stonemason. He's a brilliant man, uh, photographic memory, remembers everything he's ever read, used to read quantum mechanics books, quantum physics books. It, not only did he remember everything, he understood everything. And so he's just this incredible dude, pretty unique guy, and has a unique view of life. And as credible man as my dad is, uh, and incredible as he is at his job, he's never made more than $38,000 his life, right? And so my mom wasn't working, he was working, and sometimes things got a little bit tough, a little bit financially squeezed. And so I remember when I was in middle school, you know, kind of going through this, you do your best to get by. And like, it was between me and my little sister, like the big thing for us growing up was if it was your turn to pick the macaroni and cheese shapes. So I don't know if they still have this where they've got like 
the dinosaur shapes and the spirals and the whatever else is popular at the time and all that stuff. I love the spirals. My sister didn't like them. She would always try to pick, I forget what it was back then, you know, Polly Pockets or something like that, right? It was something that was like, you know, girls liked and she was into it. And so I remember my dad going, yeah, hey, so we've got to go. And I grew up in Michigan. And so the bottle return is 10 cents. And my dad was like, hey, we're going to go pick up cans for a few hours and then we'll go to the grocery store. Well, the reason why that was happening is because we didn't have enough money. And so he tried to make it cool for me and my sister and fun for me and my sister made it seem like a thing. And so me and my sister and my dad, we hop into his work truck, we go drive and you basically look for spots where people dump cans. And a lot of times it's the side of the road, you know, occasionally after baseball games, all that stuff. So we're on the side of the road. We're just down the street actually from my middle school. And so it's on this dirt road and we kind of get out of the truck. You grab like these big, thick, heavy construction bags. You got the black bag, you're opening it up taking behind you, you know, grabbing cans off the side of the road, throwing it in there, making sure that the labels aren't so faded from the sun that the scanners at the store can't read it, all that stuff. You go through, and once you get that filled up, you go throw it in, the, you know, back into the bed of the truck and then grab another bag. And so I was going back. I know this is a particular story, but I think it'll illustrate where it kind of came from for me. So I was going back, went to grab another bag, and I hear a bunch of yelling down the road. And you know how like on dirt roads, you can always hear cars coming a little bit more than you can on like paved roads. So I, I hear like the, the rocks kicking up, the tires going, all that stuff. And I just hear some, you know, kind of hooting and hollering. I'm like, man, what is that? And so I look over and I can tell it's somebody that like, it, it's directed a little bit at me. And I was like, what? what's happening? You know, you're just a kid. And it was kids from my middle school. Specifically, it was kind of the bullies from my middle school. And I think it was one of their brothers that were driving. And so as they're driving by, they like tried to throw something at me, like barely missed me, barely missed my sister. They're yelling all sorts of stuff. And I just knew in that moment. And some of you listening might have had this. Like I felt the pit of my stomach just get tight and just get a knot because we're out there just doing what we had to do to get by. But it is a low moment for us. As fun as my dad tried to make that, we knew what it was. Oh, yeah. And so that's what happened. And so when we went to school on Monday, I knew that everybody knew. I knew that they'd been telling everybody. And so I got called all sorts of names, poor, every name you can think of, just bullying at its worst. And so as I grew up, as I got older, I wanted to make sure that never happened again. And so, you know, growing up in a little bit smaller towns, all of that stuff, harder circumstances, I did what so many Americans have done, you know, previous to me, which I decided to join the military, ended up going to the special operations community, did that for 10 years, nine combat deployments. The very end of that was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, uh, what the next kind of piece looked like, and started up my first business, built that up, you know, was fortunate enough to exit that and have a good sale there, and kind of go through some other businesses, eventually coming into a company, um, not as an owner, kind of working my way up through that and actually taking over as CEO and been CEO of a couple of eight figure companies now and have my own companies and all that stuff. Um, obviously we will run one together, but it's been this incredible journey along the way. And I'll tell you what happened for me, Jim, which probably happened for a lot of our listeners here. Yes, there's the skills of earning money and those skills are really important to learn. The other thing that comes along with that is the character traits because you have to believe that you are the person 
that can achieve that next level, when you have no evidence that it's possible for you, besides it's been possible for somebody else, right? There was no evidence previous to this. I don't have other family members. My grandfather was in the Korean War, but he wasn't very proud of it. Like it was a thing that he did and he never really talked about. Nobody else in my family had been in the military. There were some, a couple other business members, stuff like that, or uh, business owners. But that one was kind of on my own to figure out. Figuring out how to keep the money was definitely on my own. And every stage you just go, I don't know. Am I the person that's capable of doing this? And so a lot of the journey, I think a lot of what we'll be sharing here is sure, some tactical advice. And obviously you've had, I think, every financial license underneath the sun based on what we're talking about. That's probably not totally true. Um, but you've been in the financial services world forever. We have a financial services firm that we run. And we obviously are pretty you know, familiar and versed in this world. But more than that, it's how do you become the person that is capable of earning more money, that is capable of keeping that money and ultimately capable of having wealth where you can leave behind a generational legacy that impacts not only you, but it impacts your family, it impacts everybody else that comes after them and the community around them. And so that to me is what this podcast is all about. The reason why we called it The Wealthy American is because for some reason, wealth in America has all of a sudden become a bad thing, which is the most insane thing to me on the planet. It is what our country is founded on that every American is equal, right? Every person has the same opportunity that anybody else has. And to look at that and to say the people that work really hard become the people that they need to be and ultimately keep the amount of money that they have where it becomes quote unquote wealthy, that should be a thing that should be celebrated and everybody should be looking at going after that because the thing that nobody talks about is when you have more, you have more to give, right? You have more to contribute. Like it's such a powerful thing and it's something that I know I, I'm, and we've obviously talked about this at length. It's something that I'm so passionate about. And I know you're passionate about as well, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. We're on the same page there. We've seen plenty of, you know, uh, wealthy, you know, billionaires that go to work every day, right? That still find it in their heart to contribute, contribute uh, in so many ways. So it's not just money, right? It's, it's having the ability to contribute your wealth and body being balanced in business and all the stuff, you know, get my, my good friend Garrett White, you know, says it best. Wealth is all kind of encompassing there. The financial resources, you know, to do it is, is a really what we're here, you know, to talk about helping people get to that point and, you know, fight through it. We believe that you can be the one that changes your family's trajectory, that you can be the one that changes your legacy with what you've learned and what you're going to be able to do with your life on this planet. Well, I think that's probably a good place to, to wrap it up for today. Guys, thank you for joining us. America is the best country in the world. Knowledge is power and our country is stronger with people who are armed with the knowledge on how to create their own personal wealth. Thank you for being a part of our movement to improve our country and become a wealthy American. If you got value from this, please like or subscribe. And if you're one of our audio only listeners, if you took the two minutes it takes to give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, that would mean the world to us. And more importantly, could be the thing that allows another person to change their financial future. All right. Thanks for listening team. We'll see you next time. Thanks.